Well, good morning, everybody. A happy new year to you all. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, it is good, isn't it always good to start the new year in church? And it's uh, good to think about what's gone past and what's uh, going uh, ahead. Uh, but what I want us to think about this morning is in Hebrews 13, 8, where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So that's what gives us the stability, isn't it, in terms of our faith and our living in this world at this time. And so we're going to stand and we're going to sing God's praise in this lovely hymn, Lord, for the years your love has kept and guided. And I, I do want us to think, um, I've been doing a course with Katie, and one of the things that they do in this course is that they critique the hymns as we start to worship. And uh, I've just been amazed at how wonderful the words are in so many of these hymns. And I, I pray that as we stand and sing, that we will think about these words. Lord, for the years your love has kept and guided. For some of you, that's many, many years. And we have much to give thanks for. So let's stand and worship God. For the Well, let's talk to God in prayer. Father, we delight to be able to come and stand and sing your praise. And we delight that the words that we've been singing are true, that you have been faithful over the years, that your word has come to us and has saved us, and has strengthened us. We thank you, Father, that when we see Ireland and the world, that we do believe that they are loveless in strength and comfortless in pain. And, Father, that there is no hope outside of you. And so, Father, as we pause to give thanks for the year that's gone past, in all its good things and all its difficulties, we stand again today to say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That he is the great high priest who never changes. That his sacrifice was once for all, that he lives to intercede for us, and that he has been constantly doing that. And so, Father, we are secure at the beginning of 2020, and we are secure because we are in Christ. Father, I know that we're so often tempted by the good things that the world gives us, that we love the world's entertainment, that we are so heavily involved in the world's affairs. And that in itself is not a wrong thing, Father, but often it captivates our hearts. And I pray that as we take time this morning to withdraw, as it were, from the world for a season, for a time, not long really, just to re-energize ourselves, to refocus ourselves, that, Father, that you will help us to see um, how deeply you love us. And, Father, that you will help us to see the poverty of our response of love in return. So, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We pray that we might again know that that's not, though we might find that a difficult thing to do, that 
Lord, that we know that you accept us. And that, Father, you desire relationship with us more than we desire it with you. That you are our Father. And that you long for us as your children to come to you. So, Father, we come. We are sorry for our sins. We ask for your forgiveness. And we pray that you will restore that relationship to us. Lord, for ourselves, in living power, remake us. Self on the cross and Christ upon the throne. Past put behind us, for the future take us. Lord of our lives, to live for Christ alone. Father, we've sung it. We say it as a prayer. We pray that we will live it. And so, Father, we thank you for the beginning of a new year. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to hear your word. We thank you for the opportunity to remember the Lord's death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. We thank you for the cross and for all that it means to us. And so, Father, we pray that as we meet together as your people in this place at this time in 2020, that, Father, that we will know you in a deep and special way. And so now we join together to say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Well, we're going to have God's Word read to us now. Uh, if you're looking for it, it's Haggai, um, chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 13. It's page 948 in your Bibles, and Anne Galanders is going to come and read that to us now. Then, <clears throat> then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. 
for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Amen. So we're going to sing again. Um, this, uh, and we've sung this, of course, at Christmas. We're thinking about the Advent, Tell Out My Soul, um, an inspired song, as Ken was telling us, by Mary. Um, and if you were listening to that, as I'm sure you were, of course, in verse 9 of Haggai, it says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And really, that's what was beginning um, this is the fulfillment of that prophecy, is the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Mary is the, is, is the start of that, in a sense, at this time. And when she realizes what a magnificent thing is happening, then she says, tell out my soul. So let's stand and again think about the reality of what it's saying, about the greatness of the Lord and the unnumbered blessings that he gives us in Christ. So let's stand and sing. Well, we're going to tell out the goodness of the Lord to children's children. We're going to send our children out uh, so that they can uh, hear more about the Lord Jesus. And so all our young people from 4 to 14, it's now time for you to leave for Sunday special and K2. If there are younger children, there is a supervised creche downstairs. Uh, but you're very welcome to stay, of course, uh, in, the, in the building here uh, with us. So folks, on behalf of the elders and the committee, uh, can I uh, offer you the best wishes um, of uh, us for you in 2020, um, and really a new, uh, God's richest blessing, of course, uh, upon your life uh, as this new uh, decade begins. I have this uh, slogan in my head at the moment, a new year, a new decade, and a new beginning. And that's what I want us to think about uh, later on, a new year, a new decade, and a new beginning. So with that in mind, we're going to start a new series. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we'll be looking at the early part of the book of Joshua. If you turn to the back page, you'll see the outline there, um, and you can read uh, that little blurb, which I've taken from different sources um, as well. But it's really in wanting us to uh, Joshua was the leader of the people into a new land. Um, it was a new beginning, um, and uh, they needed to learn to trust the promises of God more deeply and to obey his commands more wholeheartedly. That's what I'm praying that we will think about and know in 2020 and beyond. Uh, we have prayer ministry at the front. Uh, yeah, we'll have it here somewhere. Our Christmas tree is still here, so uh, just come to the front and be prayed for 
uh, if there's anything that you would like people to confidentially ask the Lord uh, about. Then next, uh, no, the 26th, we have our breakfast. Um, This is uh, an annual event now, and uh, you can read about it there. Um, We want to encourage you to come and to bring people. Um, And I just note that last line, early offers of fresh fruit salad and vegetarian food would be much appreciated. So talk to Tommy and the others about that if you want to learn more about that. Uh, Just in number five, um, the World Development Appeal. Uh, This year is Farming God's Way. Uh, We we collect all the givings on Christmas Day for that, Um, but we've kept this open. Uh, You can give to that today, and you can give to it next week. If you do so, put your offering in an envelope and just write WDA on it, World Development Appeal, um, and uh, we'll uh, include that and tell you what we've, we've gathered for that. Um, and the other things are as there. We're going to sing another fantastic hymn now, Rejoice the Lord is Keen. Again, we're focusing not on Jesus' first coming, but on his second coming. It's a hymn of hope. And it's a hymn of hope because Jesus comes as judge. And he will judge rightly, and he will judge well. And we do, so we want to stand and sing, Rejoice, the Lord is keen. And as we think about these words again. Great. Well, the singing has been great. I've been taking breaks because my voice is not all that it should be today. Um, but uh, if you have your Bibles, we would love you to open them at Haggai. And uh, I want to kind of just work through this very quickly, uh, but to focus uh, primarily on verse uh, 4 of chapter 2, which says, Be strong and work, because I am with you. That's kind of what we'll be looking at um, as we go. So the date 2020 has a nice ring to it, hasn't it? Looks good. Um, I've just seen my first car with a 2020 registration. Looks very nice. Not tell you who has it. Um, and the idea of 2020 vision has already surfaced. I've already got a card that says, Be thou my vision, 2020. A new beginning, a time to reorder our lives, and to make resolutions. Um, I massively over it. I actually told myself I was feasting for a week And uh, I did so, and now I'm now trying to get some discipline back. So that's what we kind of think about, isn't it, in resolutions. They tend to be good things. But here's a young man um, who lived a long time ago. His name is Jonathan Edwards, and uh, he was instrumental in the revival in America that swept over here, the Great Awakening, as it was called. My Bible reading notes said this. In 1772, an 18-year-old named Jonathan Edwards started writing resolutions in his diary, laying down guidelines to help him follow God wholeheartedly for the rest of his life. He would become one of the most influential preachers in American history, changing the lives of thousands if we too resolve to base our lives on Jesus. Who knows what God may do through us. And I know that sounds, it it sounds exciting in some ways, but you think, not me. 
And I suppose I want us to see ultimately that when the God says to be strong, we can only do that when we know we're weak. Because we need him to be with us. If we think we can do anything, then we have not understood. And so Jonathan made 70 resolutions, and he was very conscious that he couldn't keep any of them. So his first one was about prayer, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Father, it seems a good time to pray uh, because we've just been hearing about a young man who you mightily used, who committed himself to prayer who knew that you were powerful, but that he was weak, who knew that you were good, but that he was a sinner, to knew that you you had many gifts, but that he did not seem to have those gifts. He was a shy and retiring man. And Father, we pray that you would help us to see at the beginning of 2020 that, Father, that you are with us and that you command us to be strong and to work. And that, Father, that we will try and understand what that means for us as we go forward in this year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So really, that is what the sermon is all about. Be strong and work, for I am with you. So if you've got your Bibles there, let's quickly uh, run through this uh, as best we can. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 1. You'll see that a date is given in the second year of King Darius, the first day of the sixth month. Interestingly, that is 520 BC. So it's a new decade. It's a new beginning. It's actually the 29th of August, 520 BC. And like ours, the word of the Lord is heard. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Now in 520 BC, Jerusalem was quite a miserable place economically. There wasn't much money about. The harvests were poor. So food was in short supply. They were always scrimping and saving and without benefit. Verse 6, you've planted much, but harvested little, etc., etc. And it wasn't any better spiritually. The temple was lying derelict and idle. And the great hopes of the initial rebuilding project had not been completed. And there was much opposition And the project had ground to a halt and did not look promising. Chapter 2 and verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? It's now a pile of rubble. But what first attracted me to this passage when considering Advent was was verse 13 of chapter 1. The idea that, that the message that the Lord gave through Haggai is this. I am with you. That is what we've been saying in Advent. That is what Christmas is all about. And this is the reassurance that they needed because everything wasn't going well. So everything's not going well, but God is with them. Amazing, isn't it? That's the reality. That's the reassurance that they needed at that time. And when we know that God is with us, it implies that God is for us, and hopefully we will then listen to what he says. So what does he call them to do? 
Verse 7 of chapter 1, he calls them to think, consider the reality of their lives before God. And for them, there was a promised link between obedience and blessing, disobedience and curse in the old covenant. And so there's this link that they see between their economic prosperity and their spiritual poverty. And God gently rebukes them. What does he gently rebuke them for? For their lack of concern, verse 2 and 3. For the temple in chapter 1, they become too busy with other things, particularly their own houses, verse 4 and 9. And he tells them what to do in a word of correction in verse 8. He says, go up to the mountain, get the timbers, and bring them back and start building the house of the Lord. And I loved that verse. I think it's there in verse uh, 8 so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Isn't that amazing, isn't it, that we can do things that pleasure God, that he loves and that he's honored by? And so we look in verse 12, they listened and they obeyed. They had a right attitude towards God, which is described as a fear of the Lord. And what I want us to note that this is for everyone. It's for the leaders God's word is for all God's people. It's for the leaders. It was for the king, Zerubbabel. He was a son of David. Uh, there was Yaltia. There's the priest himself, Joshua, uh, the priestly clan, and there's all the people. It is for everybody. Verse 13, I am with you. And then in verse 14, he gives them the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord moved the heart of everyone. Behind the willing response was the Lord. The change of heart was the Lord's work in response to the word spoken and heard by the word inspired by the Holy Spirit, stirring up the hearts of the leaders and the people and the work. The work began, verse 14. They came and began work on the house of the Lord Almighty. I suppose my point at the start, folks, is that God desires a relationship with you. He desires a relationship with me as a leader. He desires a relationship with the elders as leaders. He desires a relationship with you as members. He comes to us. He tells us what we need to do. And when we listen, he stirs our hearts and it gives him pleasure and honors him. That's what we need to do. We need to see the love of God and respond to his word. That is what I think he's beginning to say to this people. That is what renews them. That is what gives them hope in the difficulties. Secondly, I want us to focus on what does it look to you now? That is, that is really a big point, isn't it, in verse 3? Because God is actually saying to them, this is God's work. God is beginning this process of revival, but he's actually coming to them and said, look, look have a look around. I'm not ignoring the fact that this is not easy. I'm not ignoring the fact that there's a pile of rubble here and you're not actually doing anything about it. I'm not ignoring that. So what do you say to yourself at the start of a new year and a new decade? How does Ireland look to you now? How does this church look to you now? How does your life and your family look to you now? That's the question that God is asking. And maybe I've just written a few things here. You can, some of them may apply to you by the Spirit of God. So maybe some of you remember a time in your Christian life 
when your faith was strong and serving God was good, it excited you. You were wholehearted. You were a leader. But now you're tired. You're defeated. You're possibly broken. You don't have any zeal anymore. Your faith is weak. You may be discouraged. How does it look to you now? Maybe you started well and life has become increasingly busy. You've got a career, family, and hobbies. You have no time for the things of God. It was easier before I was married. It was easier before I had a career. It was easier before I got involved in this and that. How does an act of Christian life and service of God look to you now? Does it seem unimportant? How does it look to you now? Or maybe in life or in church you've been hurt. Something has been said. A relationship that's been painful. An attitude that's difficult. Maybe your way wasn't followed. Your hopes have been dashed. How does it look to you now? Does it seem like nothing? Some of those we know have left our church family. Others are struggling with illness. Some of our children refuse to believe. Our numbers at our prayer meetings and Bible studies are small. Our success in evangelism is limited. How does it seem to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? And maybe some of you remember when you could believe what you heard in the news and from the leaders in society. You remember a time before spin and social media, before climate change and dictatorial leaders, where the former glory was better and life was simpler and better. How does it seem to you today? Does it seem like nothing? So I judge by your quietness, at least that you're listening to me and you're thinking, wow, how does it really seem to me? And that's a good question, isn't it? God is asking you that question. And he wants you to be honest. If you think it's a mess, tell him it's a mess. If you're hurt, tell him you're hurt. If you're disappointed, tell him you're disappointed. If you're angry, tell him you're angry. That's what the psalmists did. That's what he's asking of us today. But he wants us to listen to his word. So what does he say to us? That's where we want to end this. That's where we're going. Be strong and work, for I am with you. That's what he says to this church. Look at verse 4. I'll read it to you just so that I'm not making it up. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Folks, when I hear the word be strong, and it's said three times in that verse, my temptation is, is about resolutions and trying harder. That everything depends upon me. And within a day or a week or a month, I'd be disappointed if that's what I think this means. 
I think we have to take this as a whole. It says, be strong and work. Why? For I am with you. I was amazed, actually. I wasn't amazed. God is good. But if you look at the front of your order of services, service, Ephesians 6, what does it say? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's not be strong. It's be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What does the Lord say to Joshua? In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be whatever the other word is, for I will be with you wherever you go. That's what he's saying. You see, the command and the promise to the leaders of the people of God in Haggai's day, remember it's 520 BC. It's the same to us today in 2020 AD. Be strong and work because I am with you. And for us, the presence, of course, is not because we're in a particular land. It's not because we're Jewish. It's not even because we have been obedient. It's because we have faith. And we have faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We have understood our sinfulness. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit because we've asked for his forgiveness. That's what it means to be strong. Being strong is knowing God. I was torn between preaching Haggai or preaching Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 says, God says, never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And fascinatingly, those quote, one of those quotes comes from the book of Joshua, from Deuteronomy 31, where God is saying to Joshua, the leader, this is what, I will be your helper. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So folks, when you go to an airport for a flight, God is with you. When you face bereavement, Jesus is with you. When you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, God is with you. Your circumstances, your emotions, Satan and the world will tell you that's not true. But it is. That's what it means to be strong. Because you believe it and you hold to it. That's where the effort is required in making this faith work, isn't it? Keeping the relationship with Jesus honest and real. Praying, talking to God about people, issues, problems, listening to God by reading his word, considering it, applying it. This is your work. It's not a waste of time. It's not ineffectual. In fact, it's the opposite. It's important. It's essential. It's the command of God to his people because he loves you. It's the command of his people to, in BC 520, it's the command to his people in AD 2020. And folks, it's also about commitment to the people of God and the use of our gifts for God's glory and their benefit and the benefit of a needy world. It's about living well in the world 
thinking, engaging, speaking, serving in the name of Jesus Christ. The work you and I are called to is the work of the people of God. And so I'm speaking to everybody here who are members of this church, who are presently physically able to come, to every believer who is a member of any church, what work are you doing for God? And folks, I have to say I've got nothing really written here in this because I, I actually had all this application about what you might do in the church. I actually had two things, but I'm not going to even mention them. Because I was struck this morning that I think what, how we apply this is that they were to go into the mountains and to bring the timber back and to build the church. What we are to do is to go into the world and bring the people back that they might worship the Lord. Because we're not building a building, we're building a people. And we're building a community. So you are to work where God has placed you. It may be as a parent, an employee, an employer. It may be that if you're retired. And that will be, yes, in this building in certain ways so that that work can be done. But maybe we just need to support you out there. I've just finished reading a book, and I'm going off script here, um, about the Presbyterians in the Troubles called Considering Grace. It's a fantastic book. And by and large, the ministers do well in pastoring for their people. But the criticism is that they didn't speak into the situation, that they didn't influence the politics, that they didn't influence the society, that they didn't reach across the divide. And the man called Paisley had a lot to do with that, but that's another story. And what struck me, folks, is that the job of the church may not be for the minister to do those things, but it's for you to do those things. We equip you here so that you can live in this way. That is the work that we need to do. You need to pray and work where you are. It's not about just being here. But we need to know what you're doing so that we can pray for you. And if you do that, you will realize how weak you are and how much you need God and how much you need the support of everybody else here. So that's what I think he's saying. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Not just here in this building, but wherever you are, in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. And I'm sorry that maybe we haven't done that well enough or supported you, but we want to think about that and we want to do that. And lastly, folks, why would we bother? I'm sure that was a temptation then, isn't it? If you read this, if you get the context, they loved their coffee, they loved their paneled houses, they loved the normality of their lives back where they were doing quite well. Thank you very much. And it was 520 BC, still the same today, isn't it? God understands that change is difficult, that work needs an incentive, a reward. And that's why that next section in 6 to 9 is actually very important, because it's about vision. It's about 2020 vision. And if you read it there, you'll see that literally the earth shakes 
There's a glorious and wonderful reality about peace and total well-being. And God says it's going to happen in a little while. Actually, that little while was 520 years because it was the coming of Jesus that fulfilled this in the first instant. But folks, this, this vision is multi-layered. This temple was completed and it eventually became more glorious than Solomon's. Mark chapter 13 and verse 1 does, tells us that it through the, the work of Herod, the great dictator, God kept his word. His word was true. The temple was built. It was of greater glory. But in a greater sense, that's why we sang the magnificent, tell out my soul the glories of the Lord, because this is about a greater glory. This is about the person of Jesus Christ. It's about the Messiah. It's about our Savior, the Lord. So when he came, particularly in his death and resurrection, the Bible records that the earth shook. The temple was rocked. The curtain was torn in two. And that is resurrection. The earth shook and the stone was rolled away. And he says, I will once more shake the heavens. God kept his word and his word was true. So what's the vision that we have? We have those visions. The temple which is now destroyed. The person of Jesus Christ who has now died, risen, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. But this is our vision. That's why we said, tell, tell out my soul. Or rejoice the Lord is keen because he's coming back. It's the same vision. But it's ramped up. It's greater because of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. His return will come with a final shaking when the coffee and the paneled houses will be shaken and taken away. Indeed, the earth and the heavens will be shaken and taken away and only the kingdom that cannot be shaken remains. A new heaven and a new earth with Jesus at the center with uninterrupted peace and shalom. Folks, that is the vision that's what these people were called to be strong in. That is why we work at what we work at. That is why we speak of Jesus. It's why we do our work well. It's why we pray. It's why we read. Because we believe that Jesus is coming back again. And we believe that he's going to gather us. That he's restoring everything. And it's a magnificent vision. And the vision of paneled houses and coffee is nothing compared to it. It's not wrong, but it's nothing. And so I say to you at the beginning of 2020, a new year, a new decade, and a new beginning. Be strong and work, for I am with you. It is a vision worth working for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this word which came to Haggai all those years ago, but it's as almost as if it was written for us today. That's the beauty of your word. It's the beauty of truth. And Father, I know that this is a big challenge, a big challenge to me. It's a big challenge to the elders. It's a big challenge to the church because the world is powerful. The voices against us are strong. The allure of the world is great.
We have so many good things, right things. And Father, it's hard. And we don't really know how to do it sometimes. We feel so weak. People don't seem to want to listen to us. Uh, Our words seem to fall on hard hearts. Uh, But it was the same in Haggai's day, the days of exile and of weakness. And yet, Father, you did your work. And I pray that you will stimulate us with that vision, that you will encourage us not to be strong in ourselves, but be strong in the Lord. Not to be lazy in the Lord's work, but to work hard at the things he asks us to do, to be prayers, to be readers, to be evangelists, to be servers, wherever we work, live and play. And Father, I pray that not only the vision of being accepted into the presence of of the Lord at the end times, but Father, the pleasure that it gives you, the honor that it brings you, that that will be our motivation as well. So, Father, I know that life for many of us is tough at the moment, but I pray that you will help us to persevere and to be strong and to work because we know the Lord is with us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, as we prepare our hearts for communion, uh, let's sing, Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away. So let's just stand and think about those words as we sing them. remembering the exodus. They're remembering the wilderness. They're remembering that God provided for them the sacrificial lamb. They're remembering that he provided manna, that he struck the rock and water poured out and fed, you know, it's quenched the thirst of over a million people. It's amazing, isn't it? The exodus, why would he mention it? It's because it's the actual end of the festival of the booze. And that's why there's a delay between the beginning of the work and the start of the work, because they've actually been in worship. And they've been taking a week to celebrate that. And so they know that God has kept them while in exile. He gave them Daniel and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Nahum, Obadiah, Habakkuk, Haggai and Zechariah. They'd spoken the word of God to them when they were most in distress. And the weakness of their position in tents pictorially demonstrates their utter dependence upon God for salvation. And so we remember the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, the only way of having our sins forgiven and of being made right with God. We remember him as our Emmanuel. God with us. And in remembering, we look forward to his coming again to take us to be with him. If it were not true, I would not have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take you to be where I am in heaven. That's his promise. So we on the 5th of January 2020 remember not only the Passover, 
but the coming of Emmanuel. And we are encouraged again because God says in verse 5, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I will grant you peace. In verse 9, that's what he does. He takes away the barrier between God and us. That's what it talks about in peace. How long, how deeply God longs for us in relationship. Let us respond in our hearts with faith and love and obedience. The table with the bread and wine laid out before us belongs to the church worldwide and is open to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and who are members of any branch of his church. The Lord invites his disciples to come. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let us confess our sins. Let me lead you in prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful picture from Haggai of the people being in tents. We're not quite in a tent in this building, but we're not in our homes. In a sense, the, the building around us is unimportant because we are, in a greater sense, in Christ. We, by faith, are united to Christ. We live in Him. We belong together as the family of God. We don't bring anything with us. It doesn't matter if we're in rented accommodation or if we own a house that's worth over a million. It doesn't matter. What's important is our hearts and how they relate to you. And Father, so we come in acknowledgement that the greatest need we have is our sins to be forgiven because it's our sin that creates that barrier with you. It's our sin that prevents us getting into heaven. It's our sin that keeps us from receiving the Holy Spirit, even grieving the Spirit, if we've, even had, if we've had the Spirit. So I pray that you will help us today to confess our sins, to know that we are by nature sinners, that perhaps, Father, we have specific ideas or th things in our hearts that we need to just confess to you. But you don't condemn us. You want us to come. And so, Father, we are keen to say sorry. We want our relationship restored. We want to know you better. And, Father, we pray that as we have prayed our sin, our confession of our sins, that you are able willing and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So we pray for that, and we pray that we will know the truth of that. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we're going to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. So let's say together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread and wine. Give thanks and give them to your disciples, that we might fulfill your command to do this in memory of you. It is in your name and by your authority that we set aside this bread and wine from all common uses to this holy use and mystery. Let's give thanks now for the bread and the wine. Father, we thank you for this provision. We thank you for these tangible elements of bread and wine that as we taste, as we drink, that we know just as surely that you have come to us. That there is no barrier because of what Jesus achieved on the cross by the shedding of his blood. And that, Father, that we are able to come and to have communion, to have fellowship with you. So we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this wine. And we pray that you will um, use it to strengthen our faith and to encourage us in our discipleship. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread and let's hold it until everyone has been served as a sign of our unity in the Lord. Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. So let's uh, we'll distribute the wine and just drink it when you feel appropriate, just as a sign of your own faith and, and talk to the Lord. Um, and uh, let's do that now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his willingness to come and to die in our place. We thank you for the truth of the resurrection and the ascension. And we thank you, Father, for the promise of him coming back 
to bring us to heaven. We pray that we will have been nourished and sustained through your word and through this communion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's worship God as we give our offering. Um, and then after that, we'll pray for others. Well, folks, we're going to pray for others now. Um, I've asked uh, three other elders, Annie and Graham and Ray, and maybe if they want to just come. Uh, so we're going to pray. I'm going to lead prayers, just a, a simple prayer, and then they'll just follow on automatically, and Ray will finish uh, is the last person to pray. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for the work of CDs in Mozambique. Please use the money collected in this year's World Development Appeal to aid these communities to live life well and to the full. Encourage them and help them in their planting and harvesting. Increase their dependence on you in prayer and study of the Bible and develop their community in unity and purpose. Help them to persevere in the tough situation you have pla placed them in and help us to be aware of how our excessive life choices impact on them and others. As one who determines all things, we bring to you those suffering, those of our brothers and sisters suffering in Eritrea. Lord, will you change the heart of President Afarwerki? Will you reassure the believers in prison that you are with them and will help them have hope in you as they wait faithfully on you to work? Lord, hear our prayers. At the beginning of a new term, we commit our children and young people to you. Help their Sunday special leaders as they start a new term. Give them wisdom how to lead these young people to know you and to grow in their faith. Be with our youth club and their leaders. Give wisdom as a program is planned. Be with our students who are in college, not in Dublin, especially those not in Dublin. Be with our international cafe committee and team as we look towards a new term. Give wisdom how to befriend the students. Share you with them that don't know you and lead those that do know you to a deeper relationship with you. Help those students among us who are lonely and far away from home and struggling in our city. Amen. Eternal God, this morning we want to pray for the church in Portugal and for our partner church in the city of Porto. We want to pray for the leaders of the church known as the Community of Living Stones, uh, for James and Heather Cochran and for Chris and Rachel Humphreys. Father God, we pray for them and for all involved in that congregation as they seek new premises and as they seek to give the good news of the gospel to the city of Porto. And eternal God, especially we pray for our beloved brother and sister Leopoldo and Ligiani, uh, Leopoldo, a former guardian of this church, as they work and live and witness in the city of Porto. And we ask that in the year ahead, you will mightily bless them and encourage them with everything that they need. And Father God, that you would keep them strong in their faith and encourage them this year. And Father God, we also pray for uh, the church of 
a former worshipper in this building and a worker for IFES, Kath Reid, who now leads the youth ministry in the congregation in Orange in New South Wales, in her homeland of Australia. And Father God, we pray this year for Kath, we pray for her congregation in Orange. We pray, Lord God, for the work among the young people in that town. We pray for Kath and for her family and for encouragement for them this year. And Father God, we're very much mindful of the situation facing Australia at this time. We ask, Father God, for your protection and blessing on the members of the Rural Fire Service in New South Wales. We ask, Father God, for the church in Australia as they reach out and try to support those who grieve, those who have lost, lost homes, those who are anxious and fearful for the future. Mm. And Father God, we dare to pray for a change in the weather, for a reduction in temperature, for the winds to abate, and Father God, we pray for rain to assist in battling these fires. And so we lift the congregation in orange before you and ask that you would bless them in this year. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the men and women you have called to positions of leadership here in Adelaide Road. We thank you and we depend on your promise to equip everyone you call. We pray especially for, for committee as we look after the practical things of our, community, our church community. This excellent building, the manse, the finances, procedures to ensure the, the safety and security of all who work and live here, the small things and the big. May we be good stewards of the resource you have given us. May we always be mindful of those who have little or nothing and help us to share generously with your abundance to us. Lord, we pray for those for whom 2019 has been a really tough year because of bereavement or illness or circumstances that you are only, only you are aware of. As we pray, their names and faces flash through our thoughts and we ask that they would know your comfort and presence at this very moment. This we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, folks, let's stand to sing our final hymn. Again, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It is our great hope that we will worship him uh, with others. So let's stand and sing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.